Hey, welcome to C3. It is awesome to have you with us today in our online experience. If you've never been to C3, man, I can't wait to meet you. Once we're able to start meeting, I want to invite you to come check it out. But we're grateful that you're hanging out with us uh, today. If you're watching this on Facebook, be sure to like it, be sure to share it. That gets this message out to a lot more people because our mission, our passion, what we're all about is connecting communities with Christ. And we want to help people know the hope that's found in a relationship with a God who loves us so much, he invites us to call him Father. This morning, we're continuing a series in, Be- in the Beatitudes. It's in Matthew chapter 5. It's the most famous message Jesus ever taught. It's actually three chapters long, but we're just, we're just looking at the first few verses and, and looking at these eight different Beatitudes, teachings of Jesus where really he said, hey, if, if you bring these ingredients into your life, if I bring these ingredients into my life, we're going to live an exceptionally happy life, a beyond happy life, a fulfilling life of happiness, a happiness that's beyond normal happiness. And this morning we come to, we come to a beatitude that I think speaks to right where we are, not only in our culture, but in our lives as individuals. You turn on the news or you read it online and there's conflict everywhere. There are wars. There are issues with borders. There are issues between sexes, issues between races, issues between religions, issues between political parties and politicians. And in that climate, I think we have to ask the question, do we need peacemakers? Do we need people who make peace wherever they go? Because we live in a world of conflict. And not only is there external conflict, Often in your life, in my life, much of the conflict is internal. We live in an atmosphere of external and internal conflict all the time, and it's just hard to escape. And so one of the things that's the most precious in life because of that is is peace. And notice what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. God says, hey, people that walk through life making peace, I I want my name on their jersey. I I want people to know they're mine. They're in my family. These are my kids. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of how they're functioning. This is what you're supposed to do if you're a part of the family of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, it's interesting to me in this verse, it doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. Man, some people just have an attitude, I, I want to put my head down, roll through life, kind of do the best I can and just keep the peace. I want to maintain the peace. I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. I don't want to upset anybody. No, that, that's not what it's saying. It's saying, blessed are the peacemakers. Because peace is not something that is natural in a broken world. Peace is not something that is automatic. Peace is not a feeling you experience when things are going well. Peace is bigger than that. It's deeper than that. Peace is a settled confidence in knowing deep inside, even when things aren't going well. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, what's interesting about what Jesus says here, what's interesting about this issue of of making peace, resolving conflict, is that it's actually more important to God than worship or church attendance. Later in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, therefore, if you're, if you're offering your gift at the altar 
And, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there. Don't take it with you. Leave your gift at the church house. Leave your gift there. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So before you worship, before you attend church, before you roll through the things that you think would make God happy, if they're a part of the ingredients in your spiritual life, if you're in conflict with someone, if there's a broken relationship, as much as it's up to you, as much as you can, make peace. Now, peace doesn't mean you go back and marry your ex-wife. Peace doesn't mean you go back and reconcile with an old friend who betrayed you and burned you. What, is, what does this really look like? Because there's a difference in reconciliation and restoration. So how, how do we make peace? I think the bigger question is, we need to understand what, what is peacemaking? Because the reality is, avoiding hard conversations or hard issues is not making peace. That's just being a coward. There's some people that there's some difficult issues. And listen, right now in our nation, we're having some difficult conversations. There's some difficult issues being discussed. And, and peacemaking is not just avoiding the conversation. Peacemaking is not just avoiding the issue. That, that's not making peace. That's just being a coward. Another thing that peacemaking is not, giving in or giving up when you disagree is not making peace. That's just being short-sighted. Have you ever known people that, man, they, they don't want to have conflict with anybody? And so whatever the opinion is in the room, they'll agree. Inside they may disagree, but they'll just agree. And they just stuff it and they stuff it and they stuff it. That's short-sighted because that builds up. When you live like that, you're actually building a volcano emotionally that's going to erupt in someone's life. And usually it erupts years later on people that you and I love the most. So giving in to the opinion of the masses or giving up on a discussion when we disagree with people is not making peace. Peacemakers actually have the ability to have a discussion with people and you can walk away disagreeing, but we don't hate each other. Right now, one of the most dangerous things in our culture and in our society is you're only allowed to say certain things and agree with certain people and, and agree on certain issues and only this is acceptable and anything else needs to be erased or eradicated from culture. Like... If you're going to vote for this person in November, then, then you're okay. If you're not, you need to be erased. If you're going to vote for that person, then you're a horrible person. I think we need to step back and really evaluate what Scripture teaches. Because you won't find anywhere in this book that God says to hate people that you disagree with. And part of being a follower of Jesus is not letting my mind be absorbed into some current agenda and culture of the day where I ignore what the Word of God teaches and says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So what does that mean? That means if you're a part of C3, maybe you've never been to C3 and you're going to come check C3 out. You're checking it out today online, but when we can start meeting, man, you're going to come be a part of this. Hey, let me just tell you up front, there are going to be some things from time to time that we're going to disagree with. We're going to disagree with maybe which politician is best to solve a problem. We might disagree with which sports team is the best team. And if you disagree with my opinion, you have every right to be wrong. But we're going to disagree about some things from time to time. But here's the deal. If we disagree, I don't hate you. 
If we disagree on stuff that's really important, I don't hate you. In the life of C3, there are things we hold with a closed hand and things we hold with an open hand. And I think as Christ followers, we would do well to do the same. And I think there'd be more peace in the world and at least more peace in our world if we would function like this. Closed hand are things that are not up for negotiation. For example, Jesus is the Son of God. That's a closed hand issue. We're not going to debate that. We're not going to like that. That's that's what we believe is truth. But if you disagree with that, we don't hate you. Closed hand issue is the only way to know God in a personal way is in a relationship with Jesus, accepting the free gift that he offered by giving his life, dying on a cross, and three days later getting up from the dead to pay the penalty for our sin. That's a closed fist issue. We, 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 don't, we don't negotiate that. There's no give in that. That is who we are, what we believe. But if you disagree, I'm not mad at you. I think you're wrong, but, but you think I'm wrong. But you're part of the human race and I'm part of the human race. And we can disagree and still care about each other. And I think what we find in life is I don't want to have any issues in my life that I carry with a closed hand that the Word of God doesn't carry with a closed hand. And I don't want to have any issues in my life that I carry with an open hand that the Word of God says, hey, that's a closed hand issue. And the older I get, one of the things I'm coming to understand is there are a lot more open-hand issues than closed-hand issues. When we don't live as a peacemaker, when we don't live in peace, there's some things that happen, and I think it's important to understand. Because you might be somebody that says, you know, I'm just, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not worried about living in peace. Yes, you are. Absolutely you are. Because let me show you what happens when you and I don't live in peace. When we don't live in peace, first, it harms my relationship with God. If I'm not living in peace with other people, it damages, it harms my relationship with God. If you were to say to me, man, I, I think you're awesome, but I don't like your bride, we're going to have a problem. We're not going to be great friends. That's just the way it is. In the same way, we can't really say, God, I love you, but I hate somebody you created. When we don't live in peace, it harms my relationship with God. Also, when we don't live in peace, it makes my prayers impotent. If I'm walking around in life and I'm harboring bitterness and resentment towards somebody and I'm living with a hateful attitude towards somebody, did you know the Bible actually says that, that God's not going to bother listening to my prayers? In fact, husbands, let me just talk to you for a second. Those of you that are married, husbands, guys, First Peter chapter 3 says this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Wait a minute. So if I'm not respectful, if I'm not living at peace with my wife, then my prayers are hindered? Absolutely. And ladies, that, that goes for you as well. Because the bigger picture in Scripture is we're to live in harmony with humanity. It matters. When we don't live in peace, there's another thing that happens. It erases my happiness. James chapter 3, verse 18 says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. So if you want to have goodness in your life, you plant seeds of peace. When you plant a little bit of corn, the harvest will be a lot of corn. But you know what never happens when you plant corn? When you plant corn, you never get strawberries. It's never happened one time. You reap what you plant. And so the more you plant seeds of peace in your life, you're going to reap a harvest of goodness because the more peace you'll have in your life. So how do we do that? How can I become, how can you become in this world, in our culture, in such a difficult day and age, how can we become peacemakers? Because 
Nobody's ever shown us how. The Word of God speaks to it, but you didn't learn in kindergarten. I didn't learn in first grade. We didn't learn in middle school, high school, college. Nobody lays out, okay, here's how you resolve conflict. Because there's going to be conflict in life. We all have different opinions. Here's how you resolve difficulties in relationship. Here's how you get through difficult, challenging moments in relationships. So today, I want to show you something you've never been shown. So you can begin to live a life you've never known. I want to show you in the next few moments something you've never been shown. So you can begin to live a life you've never known. How do we make peace? It's very simple. And this works on Monday and Wednesday and Saturday, not just on Sunday at church when we pretend, how you doing? Blessed, I'm blessed, everything's good. This works all the time. How do we make peace? Number one, go first. Go first. Somebody has to be the person that's going to step into emotional maturity and recognize I'm probably wrong about some things. You're not right about everything. And you're not wrong about everything. I'm not right about everything. I'm not wrong about everything. And I think one of the things we need to understand in our culture right now, no matter what your race, whether you're African-American, Caucasian, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, whatever your race, I, I love you enough to let you know you're not right about everything. And you're not wrong about everything. And so we have to enter our relationships with a little bit of humility, understanding that when this life is over and we get to heaven, those of us that are Christ followers, all of us as we stand before God are going to recognize, man, there's some things I was wrong about, especially those of you that are New York Giants fans. (laughs) You're going to recognize it. How do we make peace? Go first. That's what we've got to do. See, conflict does not magically evaporate. If you're living in conflict in your marriage or with one of your kids or with a coworker, it's not going to just evaporate one day. And some people, some people have the mentality, well, if I just let some time pass, you know, that person said something that hurt me and I can't, I'm having a hard time letting it go. I'm thinking about it when I'm not even at work and it's just kind of on my mind. I think about it through the weekend, but time, time's going to heal it. Time heals everything. Hey, time doesn't heal anything. Just the passing of time alone doesn't heal anything. It's what we do with the time that brings healing. And what you know and what I know is that serious wounds, they kill when they go untreated. And the same thing is true emotionally. The same thing happens deep in our souls. Bitterness gets worse unless it's cured. Anger grows unless the process is stopped. Something has to happen. And what has to happen often is an awkward conversation where we begin to resolve conflict. And so what we've got to do is be willing to go first. But I'll I'll initiate the conversation. Nobody likes awkward conversations. Nobody likes having conversations about conflict. If you do, you're weird and nobody likes you because nobody wants to be involved in a conversation about something we disagree about, often in passionate ways. So why should we do it? What should our motivation be? You're walking down the street and all of a sudden the home is on fire and burning and you hear the cries of children inside screaming and crying for help. Good chance many, if not most, if not all of us would run into that house and try to rescue those kids. Why? Because the motivation of love became greater than the motivation of fear. 
See, as followers of Jesus, we need to be motivated by love, recognizing that every single person we lock eyes with is deeply loved by God just as much as we are, even if we disagree with them, even if there's been hurt and pain, even if they've done something wrong or we've done something wrong. We've got to be willing to go first. How do we make peace go first? The second thing you can do and I can do, how do we make peace? Ask God for help. That's one of the amazing things about being a follower of Jesus. God is readily available to help us. Listen, you have the same spirit of God. I have the same spirit of God living in me. He's living in you, those of you that are Christ followers, that raised Jesus from the dead. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. I love that part of that verse because it's not just, oh, to the good people who ask him, the people who read their Bibles this morning, the people who drove in traffic and didn't get upset with anybody, the the people who are kind to people that are hard to be kind to. No, he's, he's ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He will not resent it. God's not going to throw your life back in your face and bring up your biggest mistakes when you ask for help. You're not going to get the lecture from God, well, it's about time. Of course you would ask me that. Look how stupid you've been. No. He wants to give wisdom. So you and I need to put in place a practice in our lives. Man, I need to rely on God. I need God's help. I need God's wisdom because I have this special and unique way. I am above average in the area of messing my own life up. I am gifted and talented when it comes to that. So I need to rely on the help of God. How do we make peace? Go first. The second way is ask God for help. The third way, start with what I can own. Start with what I can own. If you want to resolve conflict, you can't come in hot to the conversation pointing out all the faults of the other person. You put people in a defensive posture and they're not going to hear anything you have to say. And so I think it's important to understand that this is not just a tactic. This is something I need to bring into my life because not only in the conversation with the other person, but in my conversations with God and in my conversations with myself, when there's an area of conflict with somebody, I need to start with what I can own. I need to think about my part, my role in it. And even if the other person is 99.9% wrong, it's that 0.1%, maybe it's how I've been responding to something they did that was messed up. There's always something I can own because none of us are perfect. Again, the book of James chapter 4 verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? The conflict that's in your life is coming from in your life. Hey guys, we need to understand the cause of stress in my life is never my wife. Ladies, the cause of stress in your life is never your husband. It's not your coworkers. It's not your kids. It's what's going on inside you. And often it comes from pride because we're upset somebody doesn't agree with us. Or it comes from anger because we have a different opinion about something that's very, very important. We, we bring baggage into every relationship. We bring baggage into every conversation. And so we need to understand, hey, I need to step back, unplug the emotional component for just a moment, and really kind of take a perspective of, okay, what, what is my part in this? Maybe your part has been you kept your mouth shut and you tolerated something for a long time that you didn't agree with and you just kept your head down and you kept dealing with it and it kept building up on the inside until one day you erupted in such a way that you were so unkind and unloving and so mean and harsh and hateful 
And you feel justified because you know the story of all the times you let things go. You've been keeping a record and you've got it all laid out. And you know the journey and how rocky the path has been to get to where you are. But the other person has no idea because you've never mentioned it before. There's always a part we play in every relationship. And no one is perfect. No one has cornered the authority on perfection, even in our opinions. And so let me give you, let me give you, if you're going to go first and you're going to, you're going to ask God for help and you're going to start with what you can own, you're going to begin with that part. Let me give you a phrase that is magical. I mean, this is better than abracadabra. Let me, let me give you a phrase that if you use this phrase, you will gain huge traction in the conversation. Now, you've got to mean it. You can't fake it. Because when you mean it, it doesn't matter what the person's reaction to the phrase is. It's still authentic and genuine and where you are and how you're going to process life in that circumstance. What's the phrase? Here's the magical phrase. I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. Isn't that where a lot of the conflict comes from? They wanted to go do that thing, but you wanted to do this thing. So it created kind of a tense atmosphere. You wanted to buy this house, but... Your spouse wanted to buy that house. You want the kids to play this sport, but they want them to play that sport. Hey, I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. Because often conflict comes. Remember, James said it starts on the inside. See, if I'm living at peace, if I'm living at peace with God and at peace with people, it's okay if you disagree with me. I'm not going to be mad. It's going to be all right because I'm living at peace. It's when I start getting all stuck up in my own head and in my own feelings and thinking that I've got to have my way. All that internal conflict comes because I'm just thinking of myself. And it's hard to do because we have blind spots. I've got this thing on the side mirror in my truck that if a car is in the lane next to me in a blind spot, that mirror has a light that will go off and my truck will start beeping at me. I need those kinds of people in my life, friends that can see my blind spots and and will kind of light it up, shed some light on it in my life and start saying, hey, here's the thing that you may not be seeing. What's funny to me is often we think, oh, yeah, I have blind spots. One blind spot I have is I can lose my temper. And another blind spot is I, I kind of get selfish. And another blind spot, if you can see it, it's not a blind spot. You think you know your blind spots. But there are things in all of our lives that none of us recognize on our own that other people see. And sometimes, sometimes other people get together and they're like, I know, can you believe? They don't even know how they're acting. They don't even know how they're talking right now. Because it's a blind spot. So you need people in your life. I need people in my life that are willing to have the awkward conversation and bring up the difficult things because sometimes it's just a blind spot. What causes fights and quarrels among you, James asked. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? How do we make peace? Go first. Ask God for help. Start with what I can own. And here's the fourth way. Listen for the hurt behind the words. When you're having a conversation trying to make peace, trying to resolve an issue, often we only listen to the words because we're thinking of what words we're going to bring that can top the words that you just said. We're in a mentality of, okay, we've stepped into the ring and you're going to throw some verbal jabs and I'm going to throw some verbal jabs. And so I'm listening to your words, but I'm only listening to your words so I can figure out what I'm going to say next because my goal right now is to win. And often, especially in a marriage, the most damaging thing you can do is win. Because you can win an argument and lose a relationship. 
if you want to be a peacemaker, if I want to be a peacemaker, we have to listen to the hurt that's behind the words. Because at the end of the day, often what we're fighting about is not the technical details. It's the emotions attached to them. It's how we feel about the subject, what we've learned about the issue, how we feel about our experiences with the issue. It's the emotional component that brings the passion because we've been hurt. And you've heard the phrase, hurting people hurt people. If you have been mistreated, ignored, taken advantage of, betrayed, lied to, misled, then you have some anger. And that can build up. And so certain subjects are going to be difficult to discuss without all of that coming back. And it's the emotion that's attached to it. And so when you love someone, when you care about someone, in the conversation, you're not just listening to their words. You're listening to, for the hurt behind the words. And if you listen carefully, you'll recognize it. Why is that a big deal? Because often the people who need love the most deserve it the least. Often the people who need love the most deserve it the least. The most difficult, the most obnoxious, the most hateful. You might even say the most wrong people that you know in your life are that way because they've had some painful experiences in their life, probably beyond anything you could ever imagine. We form our opinions and our worldview based on often our pain. What's happened to us, what we've been through emotionally. And if you can step back and see through the words and, and look for the hurt, you can bring more compassion to the conversation. You can bring more understanding to, hey, I may disagree with you, but I can certainly understand how you would come to that conclusion or how you would have that belief. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know what's beautiful about this verse? When you do the first two, the third is automatic. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you'll be slow to become angry. So listen to the hurt behind the words. Sometimes the greatest way we can make peace, sometimes the greatest act of love is just listening. You don't have to have a response for everything. It's okay to say, hey, I've never thought about it that way. I, I want to process that. But know that I love you and I'm praying for you. Philippians chapter 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What kind of world would we live in? What kind of marriages would we have? What kind of parents would we be? What kind of siblings would we be? What, what kind of friends and relationships would we have if we began to look for the interest of others and not just our own? If you want to be listened to, be a listener. And, and listen for the truth behind the words. How do we make peace? Go first, ask God for help, start with what I can own. Listen for the hurt behind the words. Five, give me the truth in a way that's helpful, not harmful. Proverbs chapter 12 says, 
The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is a way you and I can express our feelings and our thoughts in this journey of life because none of us have arrived and none of us are right about everything. There's a way we can express what we're thinking and how we're feeling in a way that sets it up to be better received by those we're speaking to. So you can throw a fit or you can get results, but you can't do both. Give me truth in a way that's helpful, not harmful. What's helpful? Don't push your agenda on me. Share your heart with me. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful, listen, for building others up according to their needs. Often what comes out of our mouth is for my needs and what I need you to understand and what I need you to know and how I need you to think and what I need you to change. No, Scripture says if you want to be a peacemaker, especially only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How do we make peace? Go first. Ask God for help. Start with what I can own. Listen for the hurt behind the words. Give me truth in a way that's helpful and not harmful. And then here's the last one. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. As a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, as a husband and a father and a friend, I am deeply concerned about what's happening in our culture. Because in response to some things that have happened that have been horrific, it seems to me we're drifting into the land of attacking people and not attacking problems. I can be, you can be, we can be outraged about injustice, demanding and pursuing some things that need to change. We can do that while at the same time being absolutely supportive and loving and appreciative toward those in law enforcement who are excellent and do their job with excellence. And by the way, we used to call them peacemakers. See, we should have the ability, rather than letting part of culture and society tell us, you have to say it this way, you have to think like this, you have to act like this, you have to agree with us, or you're done and you're useless. There is nothing in the Word of God that communicates that is how we are supposed to live. We have to be very careful in our response to what has been unloving and hateful that we not also be unloving and hateful. The way we get the results that we're craving is to attack the problem, not to attack people. Scripture says it's not flesh and blood that we wrestle against. In every single profession on planet earth, including those in ministry, there are people that should not be in those roles. But at the same time, there are people that love God and are serving with excellence and trying to make a difference, and they deserve our support and appreciation. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 says, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. You've got to get rid of that. Because violence never ushers in peace. Jesus taught us that. Dr. Martin Luther King taught us that. It is through love and compassion 
and having a desire to make peace and being willing to have awkward conversations where we're going to get educated. And by the way, all of us, everybody, nobody's cornered the market on knowing everything. All of us can learn more. All of us can be better. All of us can grow and become even more than we were yesterday. All of us as followers of Jesus, I mean, change is a good thing. I hope I'm different today than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But in that pursuit, we make a grave mistake if our passion becomes hating any group of people that God says he also loves, any group. So what do I do? Romans chapter 12 says, if it is possible, because sometimes it's not, but if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, don't worry about what other people are doing. As far as it depends on you, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, which requires humility. It requires maturity. It requires that I become a peacemaker. I go first. I ask God for help. I start with what I can own. I listen for the hurt behind the words. I I make sure I give the truth in a way that's helpful and not harmful. And I attack the problem, never the person. Imagine the world we would live in. As if followers of Jesus, we took the lead and we set the pace and we began to live like that. Where love is always bigger than disagreement. And every single person we lock eyes with, not only does God love them, but we love them. And maybe this morning, maybe throughout the day today as you're listening to this, You know that the greatest need in your life is to have a loving relationship in a personal way with a holy God. A God who wants to know you in a deep, personal, daily way. If you'd like to commit your life to Christ today, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But I want to invite you to bow your head, close your eyes, and if you'd like to surrender your life to Christ... Have the Spirit of God living inside you to help you navigate this challenging world, the external conflict, the internal conflict, to help you be a peacemaker. Just pray this simple prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin. Help me to live for you. As best I know how, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to know that. And the reason I'd like to know that is I'd love to be able to pray for you by name today. I'd love to be praying for you by name throughout this week. So if you just grab your cell phone and shoot me a text, just text your first name to 407 407- 487-8311. 407-487-8311. Shoot me a text just with your name so that I can be praying for you this week. And man, I'm excited about the decision you made. And then for anyone who there's, there's, there's something I could be praying for you about, let me know that. You can email me at hello at c3church.cc. I would love to be praying for you. And then I want to thank you, those of you that are part of C3, those of you that invest financially. Thank you for the difference that you're making. Because we've been, we've now paid for over 4,000 meals for people in need. Uh, we have teams that have made and delivered over 3,000 face masks for those in healthcare, but also for those ha- who have needs. We took an entire morning and bought coffee 
at all the Starbucks in Central Florida for those that were healthcare workers and first responders. We fed the entire faculty at Avalon Elementary School. And so you're helping us to be strong and be the church in the community for those in need. We've, we've done those things and so much more. So I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful, those of you that are followers of Jesus and a part of C3, in putting God first financially. So if you'd like to do that today, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can go to our Secure and Safe uh, website, giveC3.cc. But thank you for your generosity. Hope you have an amazing week. Next Sunday, we're going to be wrapping up the Beatitude series. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Blessed are the persecuted. It's going to be a big week. But have an amazing week. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.